Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. It's amazing the different places we put hope, isn't it? A little uh, life example for me this past week. Many of you know that I, I do triathlons, and in three weeks from today, I'll be doing the Ironman. It's my first one. Uh, very excited for it. But about five weeks ago, um, well, that was about two months ago, I, I tweaked my hip. And about five weeks ago, I was really at that point where I couldn't walk without pain, couldn't run without pain. And uh, my wife went into the chiropractor to uh, get an adjustment, and I don't know if she was talking to him about it or what, but the chiropractor says, well, why isn't he getting adjusted? Well, because she's getting adjusted. And, and he kind of looked at her and said, would he wear our logo across his shirt? She's like, he'll wear anything. <laughs> he says, because I will, I will work on him over this next month, free of charge, if, he will, if, he'll, if he'll wear a logo of ours. Talk about hope for me. I mean, I went in and uh, saw him and almost immediately started feeling better. Okay? So we, we started thinking how we're going to best do this, how we're going to best advertise for this guy. Um, and we started looking at how we get uh, his logo on, on a triathlon jersey. Um, so we stopped by REI and picked one up and, and took it to several different screen printers in Spokane. And each place looked at it and said, yeah, no, we can't do it. We, we can't print on that material. And besides, we're like six weeks out and, you know, the Ironman's five weeks away at, at that point. So not to be dis, d- d- dissuade or whatever the word is, we, we hopped our line and thought we're bound to find somebody there who can do a jersey, a custom jersey. And we looked and we found a place that could do it in eight weeks. Well, that's too long. Found another place that could do it in four weeks. And we we're five weeks out at that time. So immediately we, we designed this jersey, we put the logo on it in different places, we sent it to the place, and, and, I, and I shot him an email that said, hey, can you guarantee that, you know, your, your website says three or four weeks, can you guarantee it'll be here in five weeks? He says, well, we can't guarantee it, but let's, let me send an email to this, to this one guy and we'll see. So we sent an email to this one guy, and I, and I spent, uh, I think, six emails talking to this guy back and forth in Hong Kong. And... Uh, you know, uh, we watched as their guarantee of three to four weeks, that window kind of went away. And we're at the three-week mark. I, I had a chiropractor appointment last Monday morning, so this past Monday, and uh, was driving back kind of bummed, kind of like, you know, this guy is fixing me. He's giving me hope to be able to race, and yet I don't, I'm going to end up wearing a t-shirt, which just won't be cool. And it won't look as good as it nearly could. So I'm driving back to the office, and I thought, wait, now, there's a place called Blue Button, which is an offshoot of YFC. And I thought, well, let's, let's, let's take a look at them. They, uh, they teach uh, disadvantaged young men and young women job skills. And, and I thought, so it's at least worth a shot. So I looked them up online, went down there, walked in, had this suit that everybody else had said no to, and started talking to the guy behind the counter. And he said, well, we just got this new ink in. It's supposed to be for this sort of stuff, so maybe we can do that. You know, that little hope, like, <gasps> he's like, I can't make any promises, but I need to talk to my manager who'll be in later this afternoon. Okay, I guess I can wait just a little bit longer. So I was about to turn and leave, and once you know, the manager walked in. And he says to her, hey, can we print on this? Here's the logo, here's what we want to do. And she says, yeah, no problem. I looked at her, and after expressing my undying love for <laughs> her personally and for Blue Button Apparel, I said this. I said, you have given me hope. 
It's amazing where we put our hope, isn't it? A screen printing place, a candidate for some sort of political office who's going to change our country, our hope in a, in a new relationship that will give us a sense of self-worth. But are these places that we should really be putting our hope, are these things lasting? Are they secure? I had to grin as I came back to the office on that Monday, so almost a week ago, and looked at our passage for today. Immediately, I knew that God was about to teach me a lesson. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 to 20. They say this, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Verse 13. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. And God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has gone there already for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Hope. This passage is full of it, or at least the discussion of hope. And it starts in verse 11. Right? Our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. So what you hope for, what you hope in, what is that? Well, our text continues, it's, it's God's promises. Verse 12, instead you'll follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. But let's keep asking questions. Which of God's promises if you do a Google search for God's promises in 0.23 seconds, you'll get 13,500,000 hits. There have been books written on God's promises, motivational uh, speakers, pamphlets, devotionals. Which of God's promises was the author of Hebrews pointing to? Well, he gave us an example. Abraham. Verse 13 to 15. For example, the author says there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, a multiplier descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Okay, so the promise to Abraham, maybe that's what we should put our hope in, right? But the next question is this, which of the promises to Abraham? Was it the promise God gave him in Genesis 12, verse 7? The promise God gave him in Genesis 17, verse 5 and 6? The promise God gave him in Genesis 18, 18. Was it the promise God gave him in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18? Well, we at least know that that one God confirmed with an oath. Listen to it. Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 to 18. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. 
This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your own son, your only son, I swear by, or I take an oath by my own name, that I will certainly bless you. I'll multiply your beyond number, like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. So there is great hope for all humanity in this promise, in this oath. Let's keep reading in Hebrews 6, verse 16 to 18. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God had given him both a promise and an oath. And those two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Do you guys follow all that? The oath, the promise, perfect clarity? I was confused when I read it and then reread it and then reread it again. So I started doing a little bit of research and I, and I thought, well, what, what is, you know, what's the difference between an oath and a promise? And I, and I tried dissecting it. I tried figuring out. And even after I thought I had figured it out, I was still confused. So what I came down to is this. To alleviate confusion, I think ultimately what the author of Hebrews is saying here is this. Listen. Listen well. Okay? God's given a promise. He's given an oath. He's sworn by his own name. That means you need to pay attention. I think he's saying that just to give more weight to what he's about to say. Listen to the hope you have and the promise of Abraham that all nations will be blessed because of him. So is that the promise that God wants us to put our hope in? Is that where we should cling to? You know, I wonder if the author of Hebrews wants his listeners to think of other things as well. Things he has already talked about. Things we've talked about. The, the hope that Jesus is God's Son. The hope that He's true humanity. The hope that He's a perfect pioneer. The hope that Jesus is greater than Moses and greater than the angels. And the hope that Jesus gives us rest. Are these all things that the author of Hebrews wants us to put our hope in? Maybe. But maybe not. And here's why I say that. These are intellectual truths. They're true. Okay, We can't argue with them. But I'm not sure if that's where we should put our hope, where it should land. In chapter 6 of Hebrews, we're in the heart of a section where the author is laying out Jesus as high priest. And therefore, in, in talking about clinging to the promise of God, I think it's more of a return to the promise of a person, Jesus Christ, bridging the gap between God and humanity, interceding for us, allowing us to draw near to God, giving us confidence to approach God's throne boldly, receiving mercy and grace. I think the hope isn't just some intellectual truth about Jesus. I think the hope is in Jesus. I think the hope is Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? You guys know that one. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18, the second half of it, 19 and 20. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. 
This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there as a forerunner for us. Jesus is our hope. Not just intellectual truths about him. Matthew 12, verse 21, And his name will be the hope of all the world. Colossians 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. We are God's house, and if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19, For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. We looked at that verse a couple of weeks ago, and when we did, I told you that that better hope, I thought, was a direct reference to Christ himself. So Jesus, as our hope, our hope is a high priest, our, our hope for an intercessor, our hope for an interceder, our, our, our hope for one who has gone in there before us and has gone in there for us. Verse 20 in the ESV reads like this, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. I can say with almost 100% certainty that the author of Hebrews was not talking about the Toyota forerunner. The Greek word used for forerunner is prodmosis. It means precursor, advanced guard, forerunner. It actually comes from two words, pro, which means before, and dromos, which means race course. So this properly means someone running ahead to reach a destination before others, arriving safely in advance for the benefit of others who also need to get there. Let that sink in. Jesus, as a forerunner, has gone to a destination before us, safely arriving for the benefit of others who need to get there. Remember in the Old Testament, how many times did people go into the presence of God? Once a year, right? Day of Atonement. And it was the high priest. And they were told, don't linger. Because as one commentary said, it was not safe to be in the presence of God. But our text is telling us that our hope, Jesus, is in God's presence already there for us on our behalf so that we can come there too. That should give us hope. We're starting to see some connections with the last several weeks of sermons. We're starting to see connections with the entire book of Hebrews. We're starting to get a glimpse of who Jesus is and who we can hold on to. I love the word choice that the author uses, this mental picture he paints as he's driving home his point about Jesus as our hope. Verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, an anchor. Fourteen years ago, on the maiden voyage of my Walmart Skyhawk 500 raft, Sprague Lake, with my beautiful wife on a holiday weekend well before we had kids, I wish I had had an anchor. See, Abby and I had gone on that holiday weekend 
And we found a place to camp at the closest lake that had a spot. Beautiful spring lake. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was windy there. See, it was my first time really camping with Abby, and I wanted to show my outdoor prowess. So we aired up the raft at home, the Skyhawk 500. We tied it to the top of our little Honda Accord. And as we drove to Sprague Lake, we watched it bend in two as the rope kind of, you know, flopped and flapped and greatness. We got to the lake. We were going to do a little bit of fishing. So we hopped in the, uh, in the Skyhawk 500. Yeah. Both had our feet kicked out. Abby had her pole in hand, and she started fishing while I started rowing to what I thought would be the ideal spot to fish. I got there after a while of rowing and rowing and rowing in a not fully aired up Skyhawk 500 raft. Okay? And we finally got there, and I threw my pole in. And I thought, now I'm going to catch some fish. I'm going to impress Abby. I hadn't caught a fish in like seven years on a pole. Well, I threw it in once, and, you know, I reeled it in a little bit, and I waited and reeled in a little bit more and waited. By the time I got it up and ready for my second cast, I looked up, and I was on the other side of Sprague Lake. It was so windy. Yeah. So I rode, and I rode, and I rode. Finally got to the other side again. I threw my pole in, and I think I got it up once again before I was on the other side. I wished I had had an anchor. Chapter 6, verse 19, Therefore our hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What does an anchor do? It holds you in place, right? But it still allows the rocking of the waves and the changing of tides. It secures you in the storm. It keeps you from drifting. You know, with these definitions, with these purposes of an anchor, it's easy to see what the author is saying. When the storms of life hits, when the oh no moments of life grab us, when we're doubting stuff, when we're in pain, when we're suffering, when we're struggling, this passage is really just calling us to hold on to Jesus, the anchor of our souls. Easy question. When you throw an anchor into the water, which way does it go? down, right? Lands on the bottom, digs itself into the muck and mire and lake bottom shrubbery, and you don't go anywhere. But N.T. Wright, modern-day theologian, paints the picture that our anchor in Christ is actually going up. It's going up, anchored to Jesus in the inner sanctuary. So when the storms of our life hit, when we know that we're in this, like, "Uh uh-oh, it's time to hang on, we've got an anchor in the throne room of heaven, behind the curtain, in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is secure. Amen? Amen. Anybody remember that old hymn, Will Your Anchor Hold? A couple of you guys, Jerry Kleppinger would have had it memorized. Let me read it to you. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Here's the chorus. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded and firm, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. It's safely moored, twill the storm withstand, for tis well secured by the Savior's hand. 
and the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy the blast through strength divine. It will firmly hold in the straits of fear when the breakers have told the reef is near. Though the tempest rave and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall overbark our flow. It will surely hold in the floods of death when the waters cold chill our latest breath. On the rising tide it can never fail while our hopes abide within the veil. When our eyes behold in the dawning light, shining gates of pearl our harbor bright, we shall anchor fast to the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. The author of Hebrews says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the veil, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus, as forerunner, has gone in there for us. It is this anchor, Jesus as our hope, that I believe the author of Hebrews is pointing to as he mentions the promise of God throughout these passages. It is Jesus who we flee to for refuge. It is Jesus who has gone before us. It is Jesus who is our hope. I started this morning talking about the hope I had in blue button apparel. And I'm not going to knock that type of hope. We find hope in all sorts of different things. Okay? And I think God gives us those things as long as, and he did this to me, as long as we remember that our ultimate hope lands in Jesus. And that's what we cling to. If you find yourself putting your hope in anything else or anyone else, May you be reminded of this message and come back to your anchor, Jesus Christ, who is strong and secure. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning and the reminder that you are our hope. I thank you for that lesson that you taught me several times this week. That ultimately, I need to keep my eyes focused on you, where my anchor is secured in heaven. I pray, Father, that as a corporate body, we would have that hope and we would point others towards that hope. Lord Jesus, keep us secure. Be the anchor for our souls. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing Blessed Assurance?